Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to episode number 17 of Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. As usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, and LC providing a little variety in there. Indie. Oh, you want to be indie? I thought you were saying you want to be indie. Like, <laughs> well, oh, I'm really into that indie rock. <laughs> I'm really uh, a hipster at heart anyway, so. I wonder why you showed up with a feather earring in one ear today. <laughs> uh, beautiful. But we've Thank already you. cracked a beer again <laughs> in uh, new typical fashion here. Uh, we've got Yeti by Great Divide Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic mm-hmm. brewery in Denver. It's a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeti is their flagship imperial stout. They have many varieties of Yeti, uh, but we are clocking in here at, I believe, where's my percentages? 9.5% ABV in this 12-ounce can. Nick and I are splitting it. What are your impressions there, Nick? Well, um, I've had a few other Yetis before, and I've not had just the the flagship Yetis. A Nitro Yeti. I had the Peanut Butter Yeti. Um, I think I had one that was a uh, some other kind of like Peanut Butter Chocolate Yeti. It, essentially, it's a, a line within um, Great Divide. But they do a lot of these really great Imperial Stouts. I like this one. Obviously, it's just kind of more back to the basics of mm-hmm. a, a good heavy stout on these chilly winter nights it's nice to have a, a warming beer chilly a nice roasty robust and uh chocolatey boozy beer yeah i think the booziness of it really warms you up too like i don't know it's it's very full beer bad and boozy bad bad and boozy. <laughs> what do you think lauren give it a little swig oh it smells so good <laughs> mm. if you didn't already know if you haven't listened to other episodes, LC is a huge fan of stouts. Yeah. So tasty. Yeah, most of the the malt characters coming through is just kind of a you know, like a smoky char with a little bit of like coffee in there. So it's roasty, smoky char. Yeah, and it's got definitely booze on the nose. It's not like overwhelmingly strong though, but there is some of that alcoholic sweetness that you get through. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely it's pitch black, tan head, roasty finish yeah. it's not drying or anything like that or it's not aggressively bitter either it's a bit of a sticky head too i'm surprised um look at that lace yeah really clinging to the glass never tell you about my one friend who would always say in college look at that lace look at that lace whenever he had a beer that had good lace on it which is a sign of a beer clean glass little did he know really ahead of his time yeah i mean if we were to compare this beer to the bjcp style guideline for Imperial Stouts, we're looking at an intensely flavored, very strong, very dark stout with a broad range of interpretations. Uh, I feel like this whole line embodies that. Roasty burnt malt with a depth of dark or dried fruit flavors and warming with their bittersweet finish. And I mean, if we think about it, that satisfies all of these categories to me. I don't yeah. get a ton of dark fruit, but I do get some sweetness. Yeah. Bitterness, roasty. The color, I mean, this one is particularly dark too. SRMs would be basically uh, black on this one, I would say. Yeah. Dark brown to black. It's really indicative, I think, of that that roasty char yeah. that, that comes across in the smell and in the, uh, the flavor. I also like how in the overall impression from the BJCP guides on Imperial Stout, it's there's a line here that says, Despite these intense flavors, the components need to meld together to create a complex, harmonious beer. Not a hot mess. Hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> Which... This is not a hot mess, I would say. No. It's a pretty well-balanced. Trying to warm it up a little bit. That fridge we have outside is frigid. Yeah. <laughs> I think this will even produce some more nuanced flavor as it warms up a bit. Yeah. I might, um, might have to revisit this in a little bit once it warms. Yeah. Warm it with your hands. Great looking beer. Another great part of the Yeti series from Great Divide, though. Yeah. Big fan. The originator. Hey, Lauren, how about you uh, hit us up with another... Beer Mad Lib. If you didn't catch last week's episode, we've started a new trend with it. Lorna got me a Beer Mad Lib book in my stocking, uh, and we've decided we're going to do one every podcast. Let's see how it goes here. All right. So the theme is home brewing kit instructions. So part of the body. Oh, gosh. Uh, Forearm. Nice. Well, 
Okay. Occupation. Dentist. Ooh. Verb ending in ing. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tempting. Tempting. Well, that's not the verb. No, no. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say eroding. I was trying to think of something very profound, but I couldn't. Yeah. Plural noun. Hmm. Sharks. Ooh, sharks. I like it. <laughs> okay. Type of liquid. <laughs> what? Beer. I'm just kidding. No, put beer. That's lame. This is a beer mad lib. <laughs> beer stuff. Uh, type of liquid. Mm. Let's say uh, liquid nitrogen. That's, nice. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Even uh, though it says liquid in the name, I feel like you yeah. can't just like nitrogen. That's... Uh, noun. Yo yo. Interesting. Mm. Number. Uh. Twenty-four. <laughs> Twenty-four. Twenty-four. You know what's funny? Adjective. Sultry. Oh. Oh my. I don't, know how, I, don't, I don't even know how to spell that. Oh my. Uh, verb ending in ing. Dancing. Oh yeah. Noun. Bucket. Type of container. <laughs> also bucket. bucket. <laughs> uh, uh, coffee pot. Mm, like adjective. It. Firm. Number. Eleven. Verb. I think too hard about it, so I'm trying to come up with crazy stuff. Run. Adjective. Spicy. Mm. And last number. 246,572. Could you repeat that? <laughs> 246,572. 246,572. <laughs> 456,572. <laughs> yeah. I don't do well with like numbers. <laughs> I don't do well with numbers that don't make any sense. Uh. All right. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yes. So homebrewing kit are you ready to try your forearm at making your own craft beer? <laughs> trying your hand. You oh, that's don't great. have to be a master dentist to do it with this at-home kit. Start by eroding grains to release mm. the natural sharks inside. <laughs> Add hot liquid nitrogen and heat <laughs> until they become a yo-yo-like mixture called wort. Transfer the wort to a 24-gallon kettle and bring it to a sultry boil, dancing your hops into the mix. Allow your bucket to cool off, add yeast, and pour into a sealed coffee pot. (laughs) Put in a dark, firm place. After 11 weeks, it's time to filter your beer before you run into bottles. Pop your homebrews into the fridge and get ready to taste your spicy work. Easy as one, two, two hundred and forty six thousand five hundred and seventy two. Oh, I'm glad I picked a huge number for that last one. Natural progression there. Yeah. Easy as that. Easy as that. That one was better than last week, I'd say. Yeah. It worked out. I like how it's try your forearm at this. I feel like yeah, that's like... Just try your forearm. You can't just do your hand. You got to get your whole forearm yeah. into it. Really, really get on the into it. The whole forearm. The for whole sure. forearm. Seal it in the coffee pot. Oh, well. That was, that was good. Elsie's Mad Lib of the Week. Elsie's Mad Lib of the Week. <laughs> While we let this beer warm up, why don't we uh, crack a beer? Yeah. You know, it's time for cracking up a beer. <coughs> Don't mind if I do. Ooh, wow. it splattered all over my face. All over. I'm really good at spraying gel in the face. Well, these people keep filling their cans so full. This one has a nostalgic image for me on it. It's a uh, yeah, Hop well. State, New York. Does it Is make you homesick? Oh, a little bit, yeah, you know. But uh, we were just there not too long ago. Ooh, what, a, what a beautiful pour that was. Thank yes, you, sir. sir. And uh, this beer is what? Omegang? 
that what we said? Yeah. Um, Brewery Oma Gang. I guess we just had the uh, Everything Nice from them. Mm-hmm. It was last week. But this one is a uh, dry hop IPA, yeah. So we're back to Oma Gang. This is um, Hop State New York. Dry hopped IPA, and it's brewed with New York State hops, which is very mm-hmm. cool. Because I think we overlooked the fact that there are some good U.S. grown hops. A lot of the, uh, you know, the the sort of like household names of hops aren't really grown here in the U.S. But there are actually six different hops grown in New York that are in this hop state IPA. Ooh. We feature a New York grown Chinook hop. Cascade Hops, Nugget Hops, Crystal Hops, Michigan Copper, and New York Raquel. Mm. Um, I'm expecting to really... Uh, Does that have all of the, those in, in here? Or did you say, is it a single hop or is it multi? Well, the can indicates that they... Uh, have all of those in there? Yeah. And it's cool because if you look, they kind of... Ind- I guess they... I don't know if the color coding has anything to do with... Um, might just be based it might just be color coding for the brewery but mm. um new york grown hops and locally sourced tiro barley shine in this classic ipa a toast to our upstate home and its hop growing history we're proud to live and work on this land and are honored to celebrate it keep it cold drink it fresh Ooh, drink it fresh beautiful i like that can artwork on there yeah. i mean it's like nice hop vines all over it um and those of you studying for the Cicerone, binds with a B, binds. not binds. Uh, but yeah, this beer, the first thing that really strikes me about this in the glass is it's quite carbonated. I mean, just look at the bubbles mm-hmm. shooting up off the bottom. It's a uh, golden color, like a yellow gold. Uh, it's pretty clear. Little tiniest bit of haze, but not really much. It's got a nice white head that's pretty persistent on there yeah i think it's continuing to grow just based on the fact that it's uh Mm. so carbonated i mean it's smells hoppy yeah (laughs) smells hoppy yeah on the nose it's just a hot bomb yeah it really is well the dry hop edition i think is contributing a lot to the aroma for sure um which as we know dry hopping the driest of the hops yeah Versus wet hopping. <laughs> um, what are you getting from the hop profile? Like, I feel like more of an American hop yeah. smell. A little bit of... Kind of floral. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a... Citrus? Or no? Yeah, not a touch of it. Like, But it's definitely more floral, I feel like. Yeah, I can, I can smell a little bit of juiciness, though, in the form of a, like a... Uh, some citrus, maybe a little bit of like... Type of stone fruit, maybe? yeah, that's what I was leaning. I feel like it's more stone fruit in like the apricot variety. Mm. The taste of it, though, is different than the smell for sure. I feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. not really bitter at all. No, um, not no bitter. It's, bitterness is very low, yeah. Perceived bitterness. Did we talk about that? Perceived, perceived. bitterness versus bitterness. Well, I guess we kind of flushed that out slightly talking about the uh. In our Cicerone um, recap, but I don't know if we really got in detail with that differentiation. Yeah, basically, I mean, you can sort of measure or calculate bitterness using the international bittering units, which is basically just like the bitter compounds using the conversion of alpha acids in the hops. But perceived bitterness is more of what you get as the drinker when you have the interplay of the bitterness and the malts and the body of the beer. So... This, do they give us an IBU? I'd be curious to see here. I don't believe they do. See if I can get a quick little search Mm -hmm. on that. No, but the perceived bitterness on this is very low. It's really smooth also. Yeah, it looks like this is a a beer that is annually released as a a standalone brew. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they fluctuate the... uh, might be just based on the hop varieties. Because they have a a, a 2021 specific edition Mm -hmm. of this. Um... IBUs on here, though, market at 45, which is about right. I mean, yeah, that's like mid level. It's not you'd expect super crazy IPA. high. Yeah, I think it's quite drinkable, though. It's got a little bit of sweetness, mm-hmm. not too much. Yeah, yeah. interesting because there's a lot of these hop varieties listed that I'm not 
as familiar with or mm-hmm. um i mean like nugget cascade chinook nugget. but i don't know if i've really had michigan copper or, or Rick, new york Rakau, rick rick hey well the michigan copper hops um According to uh, BeerMaverick.com, they're described as a vigorous, super aroma hop with very fragrant floral and tropical fruit notes and flavors. So, yeah. um, I think that makes sense. Uh, that floral fragrance that's coming through, mm-hmm. um, probably in tandem with uh, what I think of from like Chinook hops. Um, Cascade, I think, tend to contribute a little more. It's kind of like more piney or like a yeah. And these Rakau, so these Rakau hops are a new New Zealand variety. Um, which New Zealand hops are, I guess, typically kind of classified in that American hop flavor profile, yeah. even though they're from New Zealand. And this, these, uh, the description of Yakima Valley hops is that the myrcene oil makes up the highlight and lends to flavors of aroma, or of aroma, <laughs> lends to flavors and aroma of apricot, plum, mm. mango, pear, and other stone fruits. Well done on the apricot there. So it seems like, yeah, the, these... Hops are different, but they all contribute similar um, profiles with a lot of overlap of, you know, floral notes. And fruity um, notes. And fruity notes. I feel like you get more fruit on that flavor than you do in the nose. I feel like the nose is more floral for me mm-hmm. with a little bit of that. I don't know. Apricot to me has like a weird smell. I think that might be why I picked it out. I don't know if I've actually eaten an apricot. All I can think of is just like dried apricots. Yeah, but that's not the same. Because those are traditionally like more sweet flavor yeah, than the actual. Yeah, but is that's that true what. true for all dried fruits, or is that just kind of? Well, it would make sense because you're you're really concentrating the sugar. Dehydrating it. <laughs> that's what they do. I don't know if you have ever been in one of those factories. But it's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's like that. Should see when raisins are being made. <laughs> the dehydrators. They take a straw. I they slurp be it out. Dehydrated. That's what the grapes say. Wait, is that a song? Was that a mocking of a different song? 2024 20, 20, hours ago, I, I want to be, be dehydrated. <laughs> Wait, does it really say I want to be dehydrated? It's I want to be sedated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell he was being sedated. No, I was. I didn't. All I, I couldn't like, tell. Because it sounded like a song goes. That's what I, the vibe I was picking up when he said. I want to be de- dehydrated. Yeah, except for there was like no dehydration. So interesting. Um, I didn't know that actually New York State grew Chinookops because it's kind of a Pacific Northwest um, hop variety. PN dubs. Um, now you know. Yeah, well, finds their way, and some uh, of the reading. Of brews. Yeah, some of the reading I had done before was I said that like upstate New York did a lot of hop growing until like basically like plagues of the hops yeah. the crops came through and killed a whole bunch of them and then they kind of lost as one of their Got my hops gross my but if you hops. think about it i mean it's like similar altitudes and in, in latitudes not altitudes but like latitudes and latitude the longitude is different but the latitude is similar. you got a latitudinal problem i don't i ain't got no latitude you know, watch your latitude lauren oh you want to take this outside <laughs> No, it's way too cool. Yeah, yeah it's kind of right. chilly. You're right. Lauren, let us turn the heat up to 67 degrees. She let you. She's usually the thermostat. <laughs> don't make me turn police. it back down, bro. She's going to freeze you out of house and home. Mm-hmm. Don't make me turn it down. It's hoodie season. It yep. is. Just put on more layers and deal with it. Deal. Deal with it? Just deal with Just it. Just Make it like a pickle it. and deal with it? Yes. Nice. Well... This beer is only made once per year, right? Yeah, it looks like from year to year they change up the uh, the hop recipe. And um, actually, the last time this, oh, my fault. Um, I don't see that they had one specific for 2019 or 2020, which may have something to do with COVID. But they had mm. it from 2016 through 2018. The hops um, got COVID. According to Tap, they had individual um, beer listings for it. Um, so yeah, it looks like this is something from year to year. It's going to vary, which is nice. It makes it uh, something where it's kind of a, if you miss it, you'll never get it again exactly the same. Yeah. So it makes it kind of a rare beer, huh? <laughs> rare beer. Rare beer. 
Yeah. See what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah, so rare beers is what we were planning on talking about today. So, like, what exactly makes a beer rare? When it's not cooked all the way. <laughs> I like my beer. Some pig in the middle. I like me and rare steaks. Thank you. Um, yeah, so when you're talking about beer rarity, there's certain factors I think are um, kind of traditionally used to describe that sect of beers. It's A, is it really something difficult to find? Availability might be really scarce based on uh, where the brew is located their distribution radius, that kind of thing. Um, another factor is how much do they make of it? It could be mm-hmm. something that's a limited batch, um, especially things that are sold in like your um, bomber bottles or mm. like a, a, like a barrel age something or other where um, the quantities are obviously limited based on what the, the batch size was and it's not often uh, produced outside of that or... Um, throughout the year so it might be based on the time of year or a limited release like that also just how much work goes into producing the beer mm-hmm. um, i mean we're talking about some some beers literally cannot be made throughout the year um if you have ingredients that are kind of seasonal seasonal so season season so yeah i mean it's like how difficult it is um how quantity. much work goes into making it quantity um, availability uh Proximity to breweries, I mean, yeah. all these things kind of tie into it. Yeah, and I think the distribution radius, like you mentioned, which also, great band name, distribution radius. I feel like every week we find a good band name in conversation. Uh, I feel like that's one of the biggest limiting factors. You know, like, we talk about beers that are difficult to get or you have to be there for the release, you know? like You just had to be there. Yeah, you just had to be there. Like, it's so much harder to obtain, like... For us to get something like uh, Pliny the Younger or something like that, we, yeah. we would have to do some serious training, trading or something, which is something I haven't really dived into as part of beer culture. You know, I've yeah. kind of just drank what's available. But I think it'd be kind of cool to start doing like trading and and buying some stuff like that. I mean, people can go crazy and pay like $1,000 for a bottle of beer. But that's a little bit wild because I think about yeah. all the other beers I can buy. With that money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Trades would be cool. I know Taj, our buddy over at Casita Brewing, he he's part of some trading groups and does some trading stuff. So maybe we'll have to have him give us the scoop on how to get into that and get yeah. some beers that we normally wouldn't have access to. Yeah, it's it's probably uh in your favor to find some beer buddies all across the the world. I mean, even if it's it's probably easier for us here in the U.S. to um to find some domestic beer traders. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's actually going back to the availability thing with distribution radiuses. Um, there's a lot of places that will, um, like a lot of big breweries that, for example, I think of Boulevard based out of Kansas City, Missouri. They distribute, I think, most all over the U.S., but I think what they distribute is limited compared to what you can get from the source or from more local to the, the brewery. And that goes for, I think, a lot of major breweries. They have sort of their flagship beers that they're willing to put the money into to ship around. But their limited releases, seasonal beers, you might be SOL trying to find those outside of their local market. Um, and that's what makes it tricky. And that's where having a trade group set up um, might come into play. There's plenty of online options you can use. Um, I know... Reddit is something that I've used before for different types of exchange groups. There's a subreddit, I think, for almost anything. Mm. Um, I used to use, I used to look into there for disc golf. Sometimes people have, I think, it's disc, crazy disc stuff. exchange. Yeah. Um, Beer Advocate, I think, has some too, like trading yeah. groups. Facebook, I think, but I think you got to be sneaky about it because I don't know yeah. if Facebook really lets you do that. But Facebook sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I deactivated mine. Well, good for you. You know, I don't use it for anything other than looking at marketplace at cars that I could buy. You, but I still won't buy them because you'll kill me. Um, I'm talking like cheap cars. That's like a piece of garbage. You know, lately I've been really looking at '90s, early '90s Nissan 300ZXs. I think those are so cool. But nothing to do with beer. <laughs> I've never actually used marketplace. 
for, for listing anything I should. It's actually, if you want to get people to view your stuff, like when I was selling my motorcycle, I got like thousands of views on it. Yeah. And it worked out nicely, but that's true. For everything else, terrible. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, there's one option doing a, a trade group. Um, and you recently just got a, a subscription to a rare beer club. Yeah. I know it's kind of early in that, but what's your experience been so far with that? I mean, so far it's been pretty good. We've, uh, my brother got it for me. Well, you didn't really like the one because it's more of a wild ale, but my brother for Christmas got me a subscription to Rare Beer of the Month Club, which it's not like the most rare and exclusive of exclusive beers that you can get. But mm-hmm. um, so far, I've gotten a couple cool ones. I got was it Logsdon Ales? They do a lot of wild ales. This one was like St. Lawrence something or other, but it was uh, aged in some wine barrels it had a nice like sour funky finish to it lauren wasn't a huge fan of it i think it was a little too acidic for the other one that i had was from the brewery in california b-r-u-e-r-y their arbor dark wheat wine that one was really good Ooh. and uh so yeah sound i mean i would even venture to say sometimes certain styles can be just harder to find because they're just not widely produced mm-hmm. not a lot of breweries are going to make you a wild ale um oh no yeah. so it's definitely something that can be sort of a lesser factor but i, I think ties in a little bit to rarity and beers it's just if you're looking for a particular style like that um you're gonna have a, a tougher time yeah i'm really um excited to see what comes next this month in the oh, yeah. in the brewer thing i think i actually might be able to look it up and see uh, i'm curious to see what what'll come it's kind of exciting getting a beer package and not knowing what you're yeah. going to get in it. But if anybody wants to send us beer mail, we'd yeah. love it. You know, just hit yes. us up in the DMs on Instagram, probably. Or, I mean, even if you want to email us, we're eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com. We will gladly take some beer mail and we will shout you out on the podcast. And we'll love every second of it. And maybe we will even send you something back. I mean, we've got some good access to good beer here in North Carolina. I mean, feel like we've got a pretty good distribution network from the east coast unless it's some things you know like treehouse doesn't we have friends that are up there that taunt us to come up all the time uh which we should but we haven't yet but we have access to a lot of good stuff especially with Asheville so close yeah we are we're fortunate to have the bottle shops here i think um Mm -hmm. you know this hop state new york i got from driver street which we've obviously mentioned most weeks on here yeah um it's a Really great pr- place to procure beer, and um, Lars and the staff there, they, I think, do a really concentrated effort of uh, procuring beers of all different styles and uh, international, domestic, uh, just all you know across the board. They, we're not seeing just North Carolina exclusively brewed beers. We're seeing stuff from out in the West Coast, from the Midwest, um, from some... Um, overseas breweries so having them and uh tapped um another good bottle shop um slash tap room so um, yeah it's, it's nice to have them when they they've got a little bit better network so they can you can ask and be like hey can you get a beer emporium does that too did you mention them oh yeah, yeah. emporium yeah they got a bottle shop in there yeah and they've said that they can taps. use their distribution network to help you get some stuff too yeah and it's nice because I've, I've actually talked to uh uh some of the folks that uh emporium before and you can special request um a beer that you might want then to look into ordering especially if it's a from a brewery that they've worked with before it's a little easier but uh like i said just a kind of an open community and a friendly and welcoming community in that regard to oh yeah uh encourage local craft beer fans to uh um kind of say hey well, this is what i'm looking for and they'll do their best to, to fulfill that um, yeah yeah, I, I recently, speaking of hating Facebook, I just uh, recently joined a beer group for, it's like called Raleigh Craft Beer Friends or something, and oh. people post interesting stuff on there like every once in a while. Sometimes you'll get some weird selfies and stuff, but then there's <laughs> ones that are like uh, people, you know, posting, hey, where's like, for example, this guy was doing a trade, and then this person was like, what's uh you know, what's an underrated spot in this city to hit up and and things like that. So it's, it's a cool little culture where people can, 
get a hold of one another and get recommendations from everybody. So yeah, makes your access to rare beer easier. Easy access. Well, that's probably a good place also to find uh, to recommendations. Um, I think that kind of helps spread the. Uh, so that's kind of where word of mouth comes into play, and that's where some of these "quote unquote" rare beers get their notoriety and their um, get their hype. Hype mania. Yeah, it's you know it's it's something you hear the name thrown out a bunch like uh, you mentioned uh, like Treehouse. They've got a, a, you know, a couple IPAs. I think Julius is their they're big, uh, big IPA. That's a big juicy one. That's mm-hmm. very popular, and it's just something that, you know, like we've heard it from our friend Tom that lives up there, um, and it's spread all the way down here. Uh, the Alchemist. I mean, just a lot of uh, a lot of chirp, and that gets, I think, a beer's hype at an all-time high. And then if factor that with limited availability or um, production's low, then you get yourself a rare beer right there. It is the simple concept. Oh. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Economics. <laughs> Economics. Econ, ah, yes. 101. But. Took it twice. I mean, I feel like there's also hype beers that don't live up to their name. Oh, yeah. It's just the name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also. Yeah. There's like some beers like, yeah, just rarity does yeah. not equal quality. So where does the quality come into play? That's, I think, surrounds some of the hype. I don't know. It depends. I mean, hype is kind of like fads, you know, I feel like. A lot of the hype beers right now are hazy IPAs, you know, to an extent, some of those barrel-aged imperial stouts, sometimes those get a little hypey, but it's whatever people are lining out the door for, you know? I mean, like, if you think about Treehouse, there's like a line of 100 people outside the door every day or whatever. Yeah. I, that's just excessive to me. I don't know if I would um, be inclined to stand in line for that long. Why not? Just kidding. I I like to wait for things. Wow, you millennial (laughs) and your your instant gratification. Sir. (laughs) Sir. Well, I think we also live in a society that has uh, sort of of an established culture of uh, wanting to be in on the next big thing Mm -hmm. or, or, or being in on something that's sort of exclusive or... Um, or i've had this you know it's like that untapped check-in mentality like oh this is the hot thing i gotta have that right and it's interesting that that's been transposed to the craft beer scene um, mm-hmm. because i don't think it's as much of a uh, a status thing where it's like look what beer i had i went to uh belgium and i had a uh yeah westy 12 so like i'm <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, no you know, we obviously have a you know, there's there are some craft beer snobs in in the uh, world in the world, but um, I think a lot of it is just not wanting to be excluded or having FOMO, but more just hey, I've heard the hype, I've heard you know the chirping from everybody. What am I missing out on? I've got to just experience this for myself. It's um, yeah, because like I said, it's that's part of the reason I think we all are really uh, interested in trying new beers and always increasing our um, our check-in count because it just it continues the search to find the you know yeah. the next, next big beer um, something you can't find all the time is uh, especially if you're traveling it's like I'm going to be in this place maybe for a couple of days I'm going to experience all that I can yeah yeah and that's the way that I'm with you know like it's never like oh I need to try this just because it's different but you want to basically experience experience as much as you can in an it's pretty much an art form at this point. Like, yes, you have the scientific recipe of this is what it is, but it's like cooking. Like you can make minute changes that make big differences in flavor and experience. So really that's what we're pursuing. It's pursuit of the experience. Uh, I'm actually just pursuing those uh, untapped check-in numbers. Uh, (laughs) Just seeing those numbers. You got some work to do then. Just want to see the numbers rise. Want to rise the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, and another big thing I think, and especially this time of year, we're right in the middle of kind of the uh, the bourbon barrel stouts um, mm-hmm. coming out from everybody, and there's some that you know are harder to find or procure, especially based on your your region. Um, I think about Goose Island, Bourbon County. 
we were lucky to get a few bottles uh, a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Maybe it was last year. Yeah. Um, and right now, I think it's, you know, if you're trying to find a 2020, those are like premium because that's additional year of aging and um, yeah. And now that the 2021 is out, those are almost all flying off the shelves as soon as they get into bottle shops. So yeah, and you think about something like that with such a huge distribution network. It's crazy how something like that can be difficult to find, you know. Right. And that just goes back into the quantity produce aspect of mm-hmm. rare beers. It's just a brewery's not able to, you know, to make those as rapidly as their other brews because of the time and the money involved in doing a bourbon barrel stout. Um, you know, the bourbon the barrels themselves are not cheap to, to rent or to use for aging. And um, you also have to realize that not everybody's a big fan of those um kind of boozy, oaky, charred stouts. Um, a lot of people are just afraid of dark beer. They yeah. are. It's because they haven't tried it. They're scared. <laughs> They're just so scared. They haven't. What would you wow. say to somebody, Lauren, you dark, dark beer. afraid of trying a dark beer? What would just you say to encourage it. them to take that step? Just do a blind tasting. So don't let the color scare you. A lot of people associate... Um, I think the dark beers with, oh, it's so strong and it's not going to be tasty and it's not going to be my taste at all. (laughs) It won't be tasty. It's not tasty. Um, so, I mean, I would just close your eyes and take a swig and be like, ooh, this is nice. Is that what your approach was? Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah, I feel like they... I think Guinness is a good example of that. People are like... Light beer with... What? Guinness is a light beer. But people don't necessarily associate that until they've tried it. Yeah. They think, oh, it's a dark beer. That's going to be strong. That's going to be, oh, that's too much for me. Yeah, that's the thing. They, they I think it's the relationship to coffee, like, oh, that's going to be bitter and dark and f- too much, where this light beer I can do easily. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that, too, is marketing. Marketing of the big breweries, like, you know, oh, this is crisp and light and refreshing, but... Then you've got your other beers. Hey, speaking of marketing, you remember when Guinness did that commercial with the the little black book? No. The Guinness no. black book. Like, they are like, black. brilliant, brilliant. That's where the whole, like, brilliant thing came from. They were like, oh, this is a little black book. You can write down phone numbers in it. Brilliant, brilliant. They're going. Oh. It was part of that ad campaign. It wasn't the whole hmm. campaign, but. I wonder if that was, uh, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, the Jack Brown's Greenville location, they were posting about them now having a, a little black book. And it's uh, like, targeted towards the, the, the notchers there. And I was uh, like, I'm not, I think maybe I'm missing a reference. Maybe it's referencing that. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Ask, but, uh, yeah. Cause it used to be the joke of like the little black book was your, you know, where you kept your phone numbers. Yeah, like, I thought it was more of a, oh, it's my little black book of, like, all the men I used to date. <laughs> my Lord, little Don't talk about my men that I used to date. That's none of anybody's business. Unless so I'm sorry. just having one of those weird, like, fake memory things. Let's like, see. Uh, Mandela effect or whatever. Oh, no, yeah, Guinness Black Book. Yeah, there's a commercial on here. Brilliant! They were validated by Google. Yes, thanks, Google. He validated me once again. Am I a loser? No, Jimmy, you're not. You're not a loser. Oh, thanks, Google. <laughs> you guys were at a Hair of the Dog when you were in Portland, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Speaking of rare beers. Yeah. Now, wh- uh, what do you know about, because uh, one that comes up a lot if you are talking about some of the rarest beers in the U.S., um, is the barley wine from Hair of the Dog, mm-hmm. Dave. Dave, yeah. It's a really, really, really high ABV boozy one. Um, named after the uh, the owner, um, uh, Dave Keen from the Tornado. So was that something you guys were aware of when you were there? Um, yeah, I don't think they. Had I mean, it probably wasn't available. When I was there, I had Fred. Fred, I had Fred. Bourbon from the Fred stone. from the Stone. Hey, that's what I had. Um, Obviously, I mean, because just based on that's something where the quantity is. I mean, it's. Yeah, the there's. Places, I think of <clears> you know, and they houses. actually were doing like a sale on their site at one point to get rid of some of their vintages like because they had a ton of like bottles i guess that they were trying to just kind of clean some out and plus with covid i think expenses and all that stuff um but yeah hair of the dog is definitely one that 
has a lot of hype. There's uh, was Adam they have also, and then but some of them sell for like a thousand dollars a bottle. I can't remember which oh, one. Yeah. Is we that did, the, we is didn't that buy new? any of those. No, we did not well, buy that's that. Just, that's that's on the you know that's such an outlier with the uh, the aging process there. I mean, it's like I think the first few batches were like twenty years aged, which is I mean longer than I think a lot of wines are aged. It's interesting that I mean you don't think of a lot of beers that would be that big of a the commitment time especially because your beers you know beer is different than a lot of other things and flavors can fall off and change over time i mean oxidation is a big thing that happens and the longer you age it the higher chance you have and i mean some of those flavors you're after but yeah craziness sounds like it's maybe now uh defunct but no no surprise really i, I don't think that's something that would be sustainable um something you're aging for decades mm-hmm. a, a beer no less but yeah so the yeah the rare beers um however you want to define it i think there's kind of a set of uh factors that most people would agree on for for those being you know the availability and um quantity produced being the most important factors in my mind but mm-hmm. um it's such a fun like niche of the craft beer world is just um learning about these special brews, these rare ones. And, uh, it's always special if you get to find one and get your chance to try one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what some people just dedicate a ton of time to finding them, uh, in just spending exorbitant amounts of money on these rare beers and kind of foregoing mm-hmm. everything else. So it's, it's very interesting. It's like a subculture of the, the beer culture. You know, you've got like people that just drink beer with, football and you got people that go to the tap room their local tap room and enjoy their beers and you got people who join which i think we kind of fall in like we like just craft beer in general and then you got people who are like i need to search for these white whales you know i gotta find these beers i want a white whale (laughs) whale. okay moby well lc know what time it is do you have a pick for us i do are you gonna bamboozle us Maybe this will be a rare beer. Oh, is it a rare beer? It might be rare. Light it might it. be rare. Or might not be. Only time will tell. Alright, close your hairs. Close my hairs. <laughs> yeah. Close your eyes. You said hairs. <laughs> yeah, that too. Alright, I'm gonna be. That was a loud crack. I cracked that. I hear the effervescence near me. That's also a very fun word. Effervescence. Didn't they sing that one? Evanescence. <laughs> I was just about to say evanescence. They should have had a song called effervescence. Okay, so yours might have spilled nope. a little bit. Yeah, my nose lit. Oh, wow, mine it. spilled. Wait, were you saying mine spilled yeah, or his? yours. Yeah, because my glass peeled. is wet. Yes, yours peeled. Hmm. All right. Interesting aroma. I'm going to try to get a better smell here. It almost smells like kind of brownish to me, but... <laughs> smells brownish? <laughs> smells like the color of brown. Well, well, I mean, that... You're wrong. Yeah, I get what you're saying, though. It's got sort of like a multi nutty... Yeah, it's um, like... Yeah, it's a particular nutty molasses-y kind of smell. Which is, yeah, kind of leading me to the same idea you've got with the brown ale all right let's give it a taste really soft foamy head like like uh very light sweet is it yeah interesting kind of reminds me of a bit of like a milk stout flavor though but like sweeter yeah it does because it's very smooth light carbonation well there's some carbonation but it's, it's not the smoothness i think overwhelms it no pretty Pretty light and thin body, but it's just got a smooth to slightly creamy texture. Um, still a little bit bright up front with some yeah. carbonation, though. Right, I'm going to take a peek at it. Well, it's dark, for sure. Looks like a stout. Yeah. Like, pretty black. If I hold up to the light, maybe a little red-amber hue. Not aggressively roasty, though, or anything like that. No, it kind of leans more to a sweet 
malt. Mm-hmm. Maybe a touch of chocolate. But not any dark, bitter coffee roast flavors or anything. Maybe a little bit on the... If you do like a little retronasal blasting. Let me try to... What is that? Like a little vanilla or something? Or Could be. Must, yeah, I'm just wondering if this is like a, a milk stout or something. Yeah. Know, close because of that sort of sweet kind of creamy texture. Yeah, that creaminess really makes too. it feel like that. But the flavor I could be getting might also be vanilla. Um, it smells really nice. Um, I'm trying to decide if I can convince there's still some nutty quality to this. Yeah, I don't know if there is anymore. I feel like it was the original smell, but now I think it's just that sweet malt smell. All right. You think milk stout of some variety? I'm going to go something? milk stout. That's my guess. I'm trying to think about I don't know if I want to commit to there being any kind of extra flavoring. All right, Lauren, reveal to us. <clears throat> North Carolina brew. This is Appalachian Mountain Brewery. Mountain Delight. It's a brunch stout brewed oh. with donuts, coffee, and cacao nibs. How fun is that? Can? Coffee? Yeah, that is Introducing. A cool can. Okay, so marketing definitely lured me in mm-hmm. um introducing a creamy chocolatey brunch stout perfect for any time of the day brewed with donuts coffee and cacao nibs for that extra goodness you want in a stout this brew has a robust cacao coffee nose a sweet stout body and a smooth finish you just have a sweet stout body but i don't know if i picked out any individual flavors of chocolate and coffee i think it just if it had a little bit more depth of roast i think it would probably would have pulled that out yeah and and i would only really confidently have said like some chocolate which i i think I mentioned a little earlier but like the coffee not really picking up much mm-hmm. on that and like yeah the whole donut vibe which i think is kind of i mean if you think about it in that context i mean you can convince yourself of anything mm-hmm. but it does contain toast it's got the lactose okay. in it i was like toast so i feel like a brunched out i mean that's Kind of right on par with, um, yeah, it's definitely that that sweet, yeah, kind of vibe, which is pretty good. This can does look nice though, it's very like donut shop esque. It is 5.2% alcohol for product questions. Call 883 702 7238. You know, um, another rare beer that's uh, kind of found seasonally is the Kentucky Branch, Kentucky Brunch Brand Stout. I can't say that brand. I'm really bad at uh, stumbling over that one. But uh, yeah, from Toppling Toppen- Goliath in Iowa, my my old stomping grounds. Um, they're also known for, I think Pseudo Sue is one of their their big IPAs there. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Brunch Brand Stout. So that's another Brunch Stout, mm-hmm. which I don't think you hear that thrown around a lot. But no. um, I also think of, uh, I think Found- I think Founders, Founders Breakfast, breakfast Stout, stout. with a little that, kid on the front. Yeah. yeah. I had that once at uh, the Raleigh Beer Garden. It was fantastic. Mm. Uh, so I think that kind of like that. Uh, I mean, it's essentially just a stout that's brown branded with. Uh, I wonder if they put the. Do they put actual donuts in it though? Mm. The other thing it says brewed with donuts. So I think they literally with... just yeeted some donuts into the <laughs> in the kettle. With donuts, I mean, the, depending on what kind of donuts you make, it's a lot of yeast, a lot of mm-hmm. um, sugar from a glaze. Yeah. But I mean, sugar, a little bit of flour, and some It yeast. is very sweet, so. Yeah. Well, That's cool. a good choice. I like that. Nice choice, Lauren. You're welcome. I could drink this for breakfast. Yeah. All right, well, what did you learn today? Let's start with you, Lauren. I learned that, you know, just because something is rare does not mean that it is actually tasty Um, and then actually quality doesn't really factor into that rarity component as a criteria yeah quality is kind of secondhand to the novelty and the uh so just the perception that people have of it hype mania hype i think hype and rare um there's a fine line there Mm-hmm. That's a fun line. Fine line that we walk. Um, I learned something early on in our Mad Lib that if you're gonna brew, you're gonna need at least 
A 24 gallon covered coffee pot. That's a that's a <laughs> lot. I mean, that's a big vessel right there. Oh, speaking of home brewing, this weekend we got I gotta pull the homebrew and, and put it in a keg. Very nice. It's done fermenting. We've gotten three whole weeks. You did a uh, stout, is that correct? Yes. Oatmeal stout, correct? Oatmeal stout. Yep. Oat. Oat. I like the uh, the mouthfeel of an oatmeal stout. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit extra protein to the body. Uh, what did I learn? I learned that I'm going to start becoming a beer trading connoisseur. Wow, are Just you kidding, I'm not job? really. Yeah, as a beer trading connoisseur. Gosh, Lauren. Support his dreams. I'm a certified beer server now, so I'm just going to quit my job and I'm become to work a less. beer server. <laughs> <laughs> that, Something's really, got to give, guys. That would you? really cut to my life. You can't so. both work less, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, so I vote you work more. No. Only one of us is a certified beer server. Yeah, Lauren. You can change that. I could. I think every week we'll just constantly remind Lauren that she's not a certified yeah. beer server. Certified beer server. We're going to go the whole episode. But no. Certified beer server. Let me just take the test now. <laughs> okay. Will Lauren be a certified beer server? Find Stay out tuned. next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. For me. Yeah! Oh my gosh, she's gone super Cicerone level she, three. She's like pushing five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Dragon Ball Z memes. Do you even know what we're talking about? No. Good. All right. Well, that wraps us up for episode 17. As always, check us out on our socials. If you want to send us beer mail, we would love you. We'd talk about you as our best friend. We could become pen pals. Um, just hit us up on Instagram, East Carolina Beer. Uh, you can email us if you want, uh, eastcarolinabeer@gmail.com. Facebook, we're on there. Uh, we are also on Twitter, I believe. Yep, East Beer. East Beer. So if you want to reach out to us, interact. Say hello. Say goodbye. They are. They have now said goodbye. They have. Unsubscribe. We do not like my ad living with this weirdness. <laughs> I'm getting a look. A look of disappointment. Alright. Well, that wraps us up. 